0: Thank you uh, let's pray and uh, prepare our hearts for the message this morning uh, Heavenly Father I pray that you would uh, be with me as I as I share the word um, be with me as I as I uh, uh, try to unpack the the treasures that are in the that are in the scriptures Lord I pray that you would help me to be faithful and honest and and true and true to what uh, John wrote and true to what your spirit intended pray for the folks that are here and pray that you touch their hearts and uh, make it fertile ground for seeds to find their way and and to be planted and to grow, Lord God. I pray that you would just give your grace and your mercy uh to all of us today that that would glorify you in what we do in Christ's name. Amen. I got you, buddy. Thank you, Jeremy I did spill right? there's no lit what? <laughs> dude, you brought me a shot glass of coffee. <laughs> There's no cream. <laughs> well, were we out of bigger cups? Hey, man, I just, you know, expensive coffee. I was trying to save the church some money. Well, and, you know, I, did, I did a good job. I brought what you asked. Kind of. <laughs> well, I do agree. The company we buy our coffee from is expensive, but... <laughs> Dude, it's like the, it's leaking. I I Well, th- thanks Jeremy. <laughs> I um thank you Jeremy. I appreciate it. I uh I worked for a church several years ago. Actually, it's what 15 now. Oh, my guy for nursery is up here. If you got kids to go down to nursery and my wife's wandering around with crayons, it looks like me on a work morning. Um Come on, that's funny. That um, so on a Sunday, yeah, I got my crayons. I'm ready to preach. Um, <laughs> all right. So years ago when I first started working in, in church, this would have been, gosh, I don't even know anymore. It's like 16 years ago, 17 years ago. I worked for this church and, um, um, we had this, the craziest argument about coffee and it, it doesn't even make sense. Now I'm looking back like the farther away I get from it, the less sense it makes, um, we, we could not – like, we would serve coffee on Sunday mornings, but our cups were these little styrofoam cups, and it was almost comical. I, I, they were so small that – I mean, I, they looked – they were not much bigger than the Dixie cup. And I would look at them, and I, I remember having this conversation several times with, with the ladies who were running the church, and they'd been – or running the kitchen and the coffee and all that. And I, they'd been serving coffee for longer than I'd been alive. And over the years, they had figured out that, like, coffee was expensive, and the church was always on a budget, and so they would serve smaller and, smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller cups of coffee, and eventually they were serving these cups of coffee that were so little that it was ridiculous. And the other thing they would say, well, the carpet, you know, if people have large cups of coffee, that makes large spills. And I remember going over and over and around and around and again, and they were like, these ladies, I mean, they were they were wonderful ladies. They were very, I mean, they were very friendly. They they cared about the kids in the church. They all of these things, but they just had gotten fixated on these cups, and on how much coffee we were allowed to serve on Sunday morning, right? And it, it's insane, right? Like, am I out of my league here? This is a little nuts, right? Um, and I thought about that this morning because we accidentally bought the wrong size cups before, and they were like 40 ounce. I mean, you got a big gulp of coffee and. <laughs> We had, to, we had to return them and get different cups, um, like more reasonably sized. But, but here's why this matters. Um, one of the things I, I ask a lot about um, is what message does this send to the folks who walk in the door? And I remember having that conversation with the ladies who were serving shot glasses of coffee. as, said, well, like, when we do this, what are we saying except like you're worth this much to us? You know, your comfort is this important to us, or this, and and they would look at me and they would think, well, but coffee's expensive. And eventually, I started buying coffee just to make it easier. And still, you know, we we if we make too much, we have to throw it away. Ah, you know, and and what this is, and the reason I'm not to make fun of these ladies because I've done similar things, not with coffee. I always want to give people as much coffee as possible. I figure they need to be awake while I'm talking, and it's hard enough as it is. We sometimes have a habit of of losing focus regarding what the main thing is. Everybody with me? Um, We have a main thing that is our job as followers of Jesus, as as, his church, as his body in the world. Like this main thing. And it is so incredibly easy to get distracted. Right? And to chase after things that are not not, not the main thing. About this on a Sunday when we have a huge, like, nursery thing going on, right? We've got a meeting after church. We're finally going to have children's church, like, during the service, and we're going to have, like, these things that are growing. And we've got, like, Halloween parties, and we've got these things. and, And it's easy. It just is. It's easy to lose sight that this is what we're doing, and we're doing it because we have a specific job in the world. It's easy to lose sight of that. And to get distracted, and so as we kind of dive into the text this morning, we are in. uh, Yeah, it worked. Um, We are in uh, the book of John. Uh, If some of y'all who have been here for a little bit, you know, like last year we were working on preaching all the way through the book of John, and I'm coming back to it. I jumped into John 3, and last week we kind of started that. The sermon is not online yet. I'm sorry, Um, the power was out, and we had trouble recording, and I'll have it up hopefully today, if I can talk my wife into fixing it. (laughs) <laughs> like my grandma, I have a blinking VCR at home. I don't know how to do anything. Um, but we will be like, so So we're working on John. And and what we talked about last week, I'm going to bump my slide forward here. What we talked about last week and what we're coming out of, we were doing a series on what does it mean to be a man after God's own heart. Okay, and we did that for for a while. And we talked about what it means to serve God, what it means to like change your heart and your attitude and your focus so that as a man you're like serving God and serving your family and reflecting his love and being like after his own heart. And that was what we talked about. Um, And now we're kind of coming back into John and we talked one last time about that. And we talked about specifically um, this idea that being a man after God's own heart um, is about like it's about serving jesus in his resurrection and death for us right so jesus died for our sins jesus took every rotten awful thing i have ever done and he took punishment for it and he took all of your stuff too right um and and just just took it all on himself that if i believe if i follow if i if i you know like take this gift that he's given me i'm forgiven and i'm made new and i have assurance of salvation and eternity with god like this is an awesome 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 thing and so Jesus is talking to this Pharisee. The guy's name was uh, Nicodemus, right? The wrong guy. Um, <laughs> and and he, so he's talking to Nicodemus. And what he's talking about was um, Nicodemus approached him and asked these questions. And Jesus talks about being born again, being a new creation. Last week we talked about this idea that God does not desire us to be good or good enough. Or like as men we're not supposed to be, oh, I'm a good guy, right? We're supposed to be God's men. We're supposed to be created new in Jesus like loving and reflecting his heart and serving and following and becoming more like him every day like this is our call as as men and we're kind of we're not going to follow the men thing here we're, it's going to be a part of the series, but we're going to focus on John here and I'm going to kind of move back toward John and, and, and preaching through this. Okay, um, Jesus's argument or discussion, though, as we looked at it last week, he got a little heated with nicodemus like we get to the end of it and jesus talks about the crucifixion he says listen there's a day coming when you know the son, basically he talks about moses and the serpent being raised up in the desert and he's alluding to his own death he's saying listen everybody who um lives in this death everybody who is like dying who looked to this serpent they were saved and the same thing will happen and so then like jesus finishes his remarks and he jumps into probably the most famous verse ever everybody's seen it right in the background, or some—I mean, if you've been in church long enough, you got a coffee cup with John 3:16 printed on it, or or I think Tim Tebow printed it under his eyes at one point, and like Google reported that after he appeared with that, it was read I don't know like a hundred million times. And you know, the, but like John 3:16, where we're starting, this is actually John commenting on what Jesus said. Everybody with me? So Jesus finishes his remarks, and John jumps in and says, he says, listen serpent raised up everyone who looked at him survived and then john comes in and he says listen here's what jesus is talking about he says for god so loved the world that he gave his only son a lot of translations by the way say his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life um has anybody not heard this verse before i mean like is this a new one for anyone i mean it is a very well read very quoted verse um, but it's easy to lose sight of exactly what is being said here. And we're going to unpack it along with the rest of the verses surrounding. Um, my, my surprise often is um, a lot of folks can quote 16, but they can't quote 17, 18, 19, 20. You know, and it's this whole paragraph, and I know the first line. Um, it's like, don't judge. But that's like the subject heading and not the – anyway. Um, <laughs> so, for God so loved the world. Now, this phrase in Greek, like, it's hard to emphasize it the way that Greek has it written. Um, what he's saying here is he's saying, listen, um, he, he's emphasizing God's intensity, like the the like ridiculous level that God has, like, in his love for the world, right? Like his creation, this thing that he made. God's love is kind of multiplied. And the phrasing in Greek, it's hard to... Hard to unpack and I really don't want to get into the Greek words today because I usually glaze over when folks do that to me and um but the huge idea here, right? Watch this, is that God's love for the creation is intense and it is large and it is almost unreasonable, right? Like to the point that the creation is in rebellion um and God continues to love it, right? Um that's actually I think Romans, right? Um you know, even when we are God's enemies, like where Paul talks about, when we were God's enemies, Jesus died for us. When we were you know, his opposite, when we were like, fighting against him, when we despised God, he still sent his son. Now, his one and only son, to kind of emphasize here, um, the way the Greek would say it, his only son. But his one and only son, a lot of translations will do because they want to emphasize the like, specialness of this. Okay, I, I spent my day yesterday with my, with my son Titus. And I, we went out, and I spent the day, and we talked, and we played on a playground, and he chased squirrels, and everything else. Like, it was this great day. And I, I, there were a couple times I stopped, and I watched my boy, and I was reminded, like, just how awesome it is to have, have Titus, right? He is, you know, he is amazing in my world. Um, And that is me, you know, I'm a fallen man. I'm, 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 you know... I'm wicked like through and through, you know, anybody who knows me well knows this is the case, but God's love like is beyond that level of intensity and God's connection to the son is beyond that level of intensity. Like he has this, this intimate deep part of himself connection that's never clouded by greed or selfishness or self-centeredness or anything like that. Like it's, it's almost like we love our children times a hundred million and then more, right? Everybody still with me? Who is still awake. Um, so God's love is so enormous that he sends his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Now, um, he unpacks this a little further, but it, it's, it's so easy to just run over this. It is not whoever tries hard enough and earns it has eternal life. Everybody with me? This is not what the text says. It does not say whoever was born in the right family, whoever has the cleanest backstory, whoever has never failed, whoever is – I mean, none of these things. It is about belief in Christ, belief in his death and resurrection for our sins, and belief not just like, oh, I believe that happened the same way that I believe the sun rose this morning because I believe that happened, right? I believe there's a country called China out there somewhere. I mean, it really exists. Or so I read on the back of Walmart packages. I don't know. Um, It – it's not, it's beyond believing, but it's believing to the point that this is the way I'm going to live. This is the life I'm going to pursue. This gift is so enormous. It is so, like, <coughs> I, it's hard to even find the right words. It is so huge that to not adjust in response to it would be crazy. Um, so John starts with this, and a lot of times we end there, but, but we're, we're starting there, and I'm spending a lot of time on this particular verse. My wife says, well, you got stuck on that verse, and I'm intentionally sticking on this verse, honey. Um, and the reason I'm intentionally sticking is because this is the focus. Got it? This is Jesus' mission in the world. His mission was to provide salvation for those of us who are lost. Um, If you are sitting in the room today, you have never, like, heard this message. You believe, well, all I had to do was show up to church, and I'm good. The message of the gospel, the message of the church, what we exist for is this, okay? Um, The reason we – and it's going to sound dumb, and it's going to sound like I just went a long way to justify my point about big coffee cups because, you know, what better way to show someone you love them than giving them coffee, believe me Um, (laughs) – What we do in relation to our neighbors, what we do in relation to the folks that walk in the door, what we do in relation to the kids who walk in the door for Good News Club, for youth group on Wednesday nights, for everything, children in children's church downstairs when that starts in January, in the nursery, in everything, what we do reflects this or we're losing sight. Everybody with me? If God, who sent his son to die for me, loves, I don't know, Jeremy that much, for me to treat Jeremy as a second-class citizen or to not give Jeremy my best as a reflection of my becoming like Jesus is a shortfall. Got it? Um, There's a phrase I hear a lot in church circles. You see it written in blogs and stuff like that. It's called Great Commission Creep. Right, The Great Commission is, you know, go ye therefore in all the world, preaching the gospel, um, baptizing folks, making disciples, those sorts of things. That's our job. Our job is to reflect this. It's to share this. But we have a tendency to creep and lose sight, where all of a sudden, sometimes, instead of God loves the world and it's my job to carry that message, the size of our coffee cups becomes the important part, right? Or my pet project becomes the important part. Or that things are just entertaining enough for me becomes the important part, or um, you know, or whatever else. Like we lose sight of this so easily, and and you know, I, I'm I'm again beating this one to death because it cannot be emphasized enough. We exist as a body, not because we're a social club, not because we like our company, not because Renee makes great food for potlucks. I'm not even kidding. I assume. I hope you brought something and I don't sound dumb right now. Um, <laughs> not because Eric is entertaining, not because his kids are cute, not because of any of that stuff. We exist because of this, because Christ died for us. That is what we are here for, folks. Men, I said I would stick with this topic. Gentlemen, you exist... To reflect this to your family, to your co-workers, to your neighbors. Your job as a man, boiled down, is to follow through on this. Reflect Jesus, become like him, show folks. God loves you so much. Um, There are people who would tell me this, but the way they treated me made me pretty sure that God may love me that much, but you don't. Anybody know someone like that? I started going to church, I swear I say this over and over again, and then I'm going to jump to the next verse after I get done saying this. Um, I started going to church years and years ago in Alabama at this country church. I was invited to a picnic, and the people at the picnic were nicer to me than anybody I had ever met in my life outside of my family. And I said, I don't know what these people have, but I want it. And I want all of it, and I want to be around it, and I want to hang out with these guys, and I want to be like them, and this is what I want. Because, like, what I saw was a small piece of God loved the world so much that his son died for them. That he sent his son, that he sacrificed this precious thing for us. I'm going to jump on to verse 17 if my slides are going to advance. There we go. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, um, this is kind of important. Jesus didn't come to announce our deaths. Right. If you are born in this world, you are born dead in your trespasses and sin. Right. You may breathe. You may look cute in your baby pictures. Um, You may be like me where you just sort of make it through babyhood and people try to forget that part. Um, But spiritually, you're disconnected from God. Jesus did not come to emphasize that Jesus came to save us and pull us out of it. Jesus' death for us was not a condemnation. It was not an opportunity to announce the folks who killed Jesus deserve this. Because my sin yells crucified as loud as anybody else did the day that they crucified him. Everybody with me? Your sin does too. Don't think you get away with it. I'm probably worse than all of you, but never mind. Anyway. 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned... But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Um, So what John goes on to say, and this is sort of where the edge comes out. okay? because John. John is an amazing writer, and I, I didn't talk about this, but John was an old man at this point. This is the last gospel that was written. He was he was so old at this point. That when he would preach in the church in uh, Greece that he would preach in, he would stand up and he would say like two lines every week. And then he'd sit back down exhausted, right? This is, this is a man who had spent years reflecting on this and understanding it and coming to a place of significant depth regarding what it means. And, and he says, listen, um, anybody who does not believe is condemned already because, um, how do I explain this? Imagine that somebody gave you a phenomenal gift, right? Imagine that you were given a gift that defies word, not just the hot tub that, or the Rolls Royce or whatever else that I'm being accused of buying lately. Um, I love you, Twyla. Um, <laughs> not, I mean, like, like a gift that sort of defies words. I knew a guy, um, Mark. He was a pastor, and then he was a counselor as well, and I knew him. When I worked at the children's home, and he, his daughter, was killed in a car accident. And she was 16, and it was the defining moment of this man's life. Like, it altered everything about him. And 10 years later, he talked about it in a meeting. I was in in a formal business meeting, and in the middle of this formal meeting, he broke down and cried talking about his daughter. I mean, he will mourn her for the rest of his life, right? Um, But he did something kind of crazy. He gave away pieces of his daughter. Right, Her heart and her liver and her, you know, these things. And then every year, for years that followed, people who received pieces of his daughter came and visited him on the anniversary of his death. couldn't imagine losing one of my children, right? But these people who were given life because of the death of this young lady... They came back and they thanked him. Would you say thank you? I couldn't imagine not saying thank you. This is what God has done for us. And to ignore it is offensive, wouldn't it be? Oh, hey, got your daughter's heart. See ya. Jesus, God's only son, was tortured to death for you. To not respond to that is offensive to God. It is. Right, And so when John says condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son, part of that is because we're all like dead in our sins already. Okay, Like I've done more than enough to deserve like God being pretty ticked off at me. Anybody else? Is it just me? Um, But then for God to say, hey, here's your way out. And for me to say, well, that's neat. But there's something good on TV. (laughs) Hey, I got some great websites I visit. And once I'm done with that part of my life, then I'll acknowledge this and live different. Right? Well, I know that Jesus died for me. I'm supposed to live different. But do you know how rude my wife is? I can't be loving to her. Right. When I fail to live in reaction to that, it's it's kind of not OK. Right. And that's a major theme in John's gospel. John, like, emphasizes throughout the gospel, the love and the connection between the father and the son. And now he transfers that to the world, saying as much as God loved the son, he loved the world. He loved you. Um and then he goes on and he says, we have to take that seriously, folks. We have to be different. We have to be new because of it. You can't walk away. You can't ignore it, right? And if you do, like, that's fine, but that's a choice you make, and it's your choice. Um, and this is the judgment. The light came into the world. Well, who's he talking about? God. That's right, Jesus. Jesus. Um, I, I know Mike will also always answer that. The light came into the world. This is sort of something that's unusual to John's Gospel. He talks about light and dark, right? Um, the light came into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So Jesus comes into the world. He brings this enormous, brilliant light, and folks look at Jesus, and they say, man, that is awesome, but oh, I really love this stuff, right? There are years in my life where I – man, I love The stuff I was doing. You know, I've been a follower of Jesus for a while and I started falling in love with the things around me, and all of a sudden, like, much as I love Jesus, I also love drinking. (laughs) Much as I love Jesus, I also love these things. Like, I my selfishness became this thing that I loved. And instead of loving the light, I loved the darkness. Um, and there are a lot of folks who live in that. And like we don't get to stand high and mighty and say, Well, look, I love the light and you love the darkness, you're awful. Because we were all All, all there at one point, everyone, right? Um, All of us live at some point loving the darkness. And God calls us out of that, and it's an enormous blessing. Um, And these folks, so they love the darkness. But beyond that, for everyone who who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. Pride, right? Pride. Anybody know this word? It's not referring to lions. I'm not going to sing Circle of Life now. Um, pride refers to my attitude of I am good and, and like special and wonderful on my own. right? I may sin, but my sin is justified. right? God may have a problem with what I'm doing, but surely God wouldn't begrudge me this. Um, and so like what he says is, listen, people's pride, they say, well, I do not want folks to know this. I do not want folks to know that I fail. I do not want folks to know that I sin. Um, I would point to, actually, the big pop culture example. I said I wouldn't talk about him again, and here I am. Uh, There's that Josh Duggar guy, right? Christian ministry, television show, ideal Christian man, sex addiction, right? Why does that not come out in the light? I'm guessing. I, I do counseling with addicts all the time. I mean, literally all the time. I do a lot of it. And for the fact that, like, this is a part of the world, nobody wants to admit that stuff publicly, do you? I'm so ashamed of this. If I put it out there, folks will know. And so I'll sit in the dark rather than let people know what I do in the dark. And our pride, our our selfishness, our self-centeredness says, stay in the dark. It's okay. It's easy. It's all right. Don't go in the light. People will know. And sometimes the light finds its own way to us, and we can't hide it anymore. That's what happened to that Josh fella. And, you know, pray for that guy every day that the light, like, burns away all that stuff, and he becomes this new person that Christ intended him to be, right? Um, And actually, this is where the verse ends. This is the end of the paragraph. John 3.16 was not a standalone. So, like, Tim Tebow should have, like, filled his cheeks up, I guess. I don't know. Um The end of it is, but whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now watch this. If you have reached this point where you're in Christ and you have this new life and the Holy Spirit's helping you like glorify God in your actions, you do it in the light so folks can see not that you are awesome, but that God is awesome right i will tell you i have one of my hardest parts in life is that folks say man you did a good job with this man you're awesome with this man we love you so much because of this man we, and like i there's a part of me that wants to say yes i am awesome it is great to be like around folks who will tell me no you're not actually that awesome um, because it is not me it is it's god honestly on my own man i'm i'm kind of a jerk right you shut the door, of the front door of the house and I'm selfish. Shut the front door of the house where nobody can see and, like, it's all about me, right? The world revolves around me. The only reason I manage good at home in my marriage and my everything is because the Holy Spirit is in me and has made me better. And so it is God. That's what the text is saying here. He's saying, listen, you come out into the light so that you can point and say this, this is what makes it different, right? So I don't get to sit up here and say you sinners, I'm not going to point fingers at you because I'd have to be standing on the other side. Like, I, I, I'm only better because of Christ. Any one of us is only better because of Christ. And that is our mission. That is our primary focus as the body of Christ, as the church, as everything. And when we get distracted with things that aren't as important, we take away from that. We wander away. From the light, honestly, I'm not saying that the ladies who were like wound up about coffee cups are going to hell or anything like don't hear me saying that um, but I hope the coffee's cold there. sorry, I should not have said that if i, I <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> I'm probably going to hell now um. <laughs> The purpose of of these verses, what John is putting out here is, listen, this is our primary focus, folks. Everybody with me? This is more important than anything else. Jesus died for you. What we are all about is that. And that needs to translate and find its way into everything that we do. So when we do good child care, we do that because Jesus died for us. Everybody with me? When we do good news club, we do good news club because Jesus died for us. We do the Halloween party. I know some folks might argue with me about that. This, But we do that to show folks that we care about them as an extension of saying Jesus died for you, right? Um, we do what we do as a way of pointing to that. That is our job. Men, if you want to be a man after God's own heart, if you want to stand up and be like what God intended and created for you to be as a man, this is the root of your actions, And your new attitude and your new behavior and your new everything. Not so I can look like John Wayne, but so that I can reflect the enormous, unfathomable, I said that, mispronounced it. Anyway, the deep, profound love that God has for us. That's the bottom line in everything that we do. And so as we meet after church, talking about nursery, right? We're doing that to talk about how to serve God and reflect his love for children and honestly reflect it to their parents because there are like three things that people look for when they visit a church the first time. How clean are the bathrooms? How much parking is there? And what do the child care look like? The studies have shown this. Like it's the reality. People look and they say, well, am I afraid to leave my kids there? Are there syringes on the floor? What's going to happen? Um, We love their parents. I'm sorry. I don't even know where that came from. We love their parents. We love their parents by loving their kids. We love folks in everything we do, and that's why we do it. Right? doesn't seem like a cup of coffee is that big a deal. Eric, are you nuts? Honestly, I played volleyball with a group of people in Alabama, and it changed the entire course of my life. Yeah, it's a big deal. Everything. You argue with your neighbor. Are you... Showing Jesus, what's he look like? Okay. I argued with the guy at work for months, and one day I was praying about him and trying to get God to step on him, and I realized, oh, my gosh, when he sees me, he doesn't see Jesus. He sees, like, the old me. I need to kill that guy and be like Jesus. Um, and so my challenge for you this week, I end with a challenge. This is what I do. As you walk out the door today, ask yourself, what is distracting me? Not just in regards to, to like, the church, right, but in regards to everything. What's distracting me from being like Jesus with my wife or my husband, if you happen to be a woman? um, What is distracting me from being like Jesus to my children? What is distracting me from being like Jesus to my parents, to the rest of the crazy people in my family, to my neighbor, to that guy who can't seem to be polite to me even, like, no matter what? Like, how do I be like Jesus to that guy? Am I managing it? What are your distractions? What is your pet project? Is it your rights, your wants, your everybody owes me these things? Is it whether or not you're being entertained? Is it how much money it might cost? Is it because you're just too busy for these things? Is it because, I don't know, you got a pet project or whatever? I mean, what is it that distracts you? What draws you away? Because anything that stands in God's place is an idol. And I don't say that because I want to be mean to you. I say it because I love you, right? The hardest thing to do is to say mean things to people because you love them or out of love or actually make it sound loving's pretty hard, too. But anyway, um, my challenge you as we go out of here, honestly, is we do a potluck, right? Not just a potluck, but a birthday potluck, right, for the brothers because it is their birthday and because, like, God calls us to love these guys. And we love them, right? Yeah. Um, because, because we're blessed to know them. And because Jesus died for them, and he died for you, and let's live that. Let's make it a reality. Um, We're going to close in prayer, and then I think we're going to do a Sunday school meeting very quick, and then we're going to – and Teal is raising her hand just to wave at me. Oh, go ahead. What? Oh, let's do the announcement after we do prayer, and then we'll do our meeting. Sound good? All right, stand up, and we'll do a blessing too.